When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels, and Sage, the preseason is finally over. I may have jumped up and hit my head on the ceiling with joy last night when Jake Browning launched the ball down the field and it was intercepted and everyone walked off and the preseason was finally over. It's wonderful. Now it's time for the actual regular season and real football games. You know, Matt, we've been doing podcasts for a couple of years. And to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little disappointed in your total lack of respect <laughs> for the third string guys, some of the second string guys, some of these four string guys like Browning, who I actually thought played, played pretty well uh, and, you know, could do a decent job if called upon in an NFL game to be sort of a Jason Garrett, you know, type quarterback, maybe not a big arm, but, you know, he's a, seems to be a pretty accurate passer and, and uh, obviously it looks like he's really well liked him. Had some really nice touch on some screen passes and things last night. So anyway, I still enjoyed uh, watching that game. And watching it, I think, uh, gave me some sort of information of more concern or things to discuss as you really do dive into the season. Uh, you know, I feel like this is like our last carefree episode until like, uh, you know, the real stuff, you know, starts. We'll be talking about their first uh, week opponent uh, next week and, and really diving into what we talk about all year to, you know, the regular NFL season. So, yes, preseason's over. Uh, I think there, there are some things we learned in that game last night, despite the fact it was second and a lot of third and even some four stringers. Well, I think that's your third string bias, by the way, um, speaking, because that hey, was dreadful to watch last third night. Third stringers have feelings, too, <laughs> like hunters, you know, <laughs> for the brand, baby, for the uh, brand. All right, so where do you want to start here? Because we could start with Corey Vedvik, who um, might end up being one of those stories that five years from now, uh, we say, remember Corey Vedvik, the guy that we all wrote about for a week and then couldn't actually play good? at football I mean he missed three kicks in the preseason he had a punt return for touchdown there was another punt in his first game that went really way over the coverage and all that he outkicked the coverage so to speak I mean the guy was a disaster in the actual games and now they'll have a decision to make whether they want to keep him around for ego's sake or whether they want to cut him and just keep the guys who are actually decent at this yeah, it is uh, a, a bummer, you know, to give up a fifth round draft pick. And now we're really talking about, uh, you know, whether we should keep this guy or not. And, and you know, that is a he has not lived up to the fifth round draft pick status. You know, if he was a golfer, you know, through three holes. Uh, he is five over. And that's what it sort of feels like. Right. So 
Uh, he has not done a great job in his short time. His kickoffs have been fine. I think of all the things, that's what's been most consistent. Seems like they're three to five yards deep most of the time, but not a huge leg. It's not like he's kicking them out of the back of the end zone. Uh, his field goals have not been good. Even that extra point the other night sort of slid in the left upright and was trailing to the left. So imagine if that was a 45-yarder, it wouldn't have been good. Uh, he missed the 37-yard field goal to the right. Uh, the punt reach, the punt was low, uh, and uh, which allows time for to for there to for that return to happen. Um, but you know, so we'll see what happens if they do decide to release him, uh, you know, or decide to maybe maybe as you said for ego's sake, or maybe they see great productivity in practice that just hasn't happened yet, you know, on the field. I don't know, but uh, it is you know a fifth round draft pick that could be you know very well wasted. Uh, by a player they end up releasing, which, 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 you know what? It happens. It does happen in the National Football League. The Patriots would do something like this, and nobody would bat an eye. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. If the Patriots did it, they would say, what a genius move it was, even if it didn't work out, because everything that they do is genius. Um, but it will be one of those things where can the general manager swallow his pride enough to just admit that Matt Weil and Dan Bailey were probably fine all along and that they panicked um, and felt the pressure of this season and expectations and everything else and probably felt the rage of the head coach who doesn't know how to deal with kickers at all and who has understandably had some very bad luck uh, with kickers throughout his career here in Minnesota. But um, it's ultimately, I think, going to look like one of those things that they just should have given it a little more time because Dan Bailey was almost... Um, it, it was almost like he was driven by this uh, or reinvigorated. Like, oh, you, you brought in some guy who has no idea what he's doing. Let me show you how to kick a 54-yard field goal. Boom, right through the uprights. I mean, that's what made it even better as Vedvik is struggling. Here's Dan Bailey who is just slicing it right down the middle. And, uh, I mean, all along, Dan Bailey, you have to take the body of work with that guy and look at his long career as an NFL kicker. Was he really going to lose out to some? Somebody who wasn't even a good college kicker and has never done this before in actual games. I would have been shocked if that had happened. But then it turns out, I thought he was going to be the punter, but it turns out he can't even really punt. Well, he hasn't punted well either. And I think from the get-go, I never thought he was really going to beat out Dan Bailey. I, I didn't I didn't uh, follow his time with the Ravens all that much to see if, you know, what his stats were. And, you know, never heard of the guy, obviously, until he, he came to the Vikings, and so I was thinking originally that Bailey would be the kicker, Vedvig would be the punter, and possibly he was a better holder than Wiley, and that was sort of part of the equation. Because a, a good holder really is uh, valuable. There is value there. If you're a punter who can't hold, you have less value. If you're a punter that's below average and can't hold, now you've got even less. And so originally I was thinking Dan Bailey, the kicker, Vedvig, Vedvig punter, uh, slash kickoff guy also because his kickoffs are better than Bailey. So mm-hmm. there is some value there. So that's originally what I thought the plan would be. If that ends up being the plan, I would not be surprised, uh, you know, on a couple uh, punts that you know, one was low and maybe one that was shanked a little bit. Uh, but again, they see him punt hundreds of balls in practice over the course of the last few weeks. And if he's been consistently good there, maybe that's his spot. If he ends up making the team, it's punter, 
kickoff guy and holder. Well, I know what he won't be doing. He won't be playing strong safety because his attempt at a tackle was um, a classic punter attempt at a tackle. Where I'm he... going to go ahead and say, now it's a little bit of a topic on Twitter this morning, but I'm going to go ahead and say that Carly Lloyd may have given a better attempt at a tackle than Ben Big on that kickoff, <laughs> on that th- punt return. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, he kind of ran in the direction of the returner, and then it wasn't even a full juke move, and Vedvik just fell down. Uh, if so... I was the special teams coach, as we watch that video, I would have the manager uh, from Major League, I'd have that, like, I'd cut in right there, like, what's this ole you know, whatever. I would cut it right in there. <laughs> And probably just to get a laugh in the room, just to move on past it uh, and move on to the regular season. So, um, yeah, we'll, we will see what happens with this Vikings special teams unit during the season. You know, we love to talk offense, defense, probably because of me. I, we talk offense more. We talk quarterbacks more. But, you know, there are the three units of football. You know, Mike Prefer was a heck of a, a, a coach, a special teams coach, been with the Vikings for a number of years and had really done a good job. Uh, you know, probably a top 10 unit consistently, always very good with coverage for the most point, m- m- most part uh, uh, during this time. That is one thing, whether it's the starters, the backups, the third stringers last night that I have consistently seen that has given me, you know, a little bit of worry. Things I've regularly flashed are fairly long returns that are set up nicely by the other team, but teams getting the ball to the, you know, 30, 35 yard line uh, on kickoff returns even past that. Uh, I've seen some consistent returns. So, you know, that's something we're going to keep an eye on. That is, again, new this year from last year is a new special teams coordinator. Uh, and that's a tricky unit. You know, you're, you're, you're sort of given the players uh, that the, you know, that the GM uh, is going to have on the roster and you have to make the whole thing work. Uh, it's a very valuable uh, aspect of the team. And if you're going to have a style of, uh, you know, a formula for winning that Mike Zimmer has, defense, you know, run the ball, high efficiency offense, not th- not trying to, you know, outscore them in some you know, shootout. But special teams are really, really important in that. And, uh, and, and we'll have to really cover that this year because they do they have a new uh, special teams coordinator. Well, that's something that usually doesn't get brought up at all. The fact that Mike Prefer left be in part because a lot of fans wanted to see him go considering the struggles of the kicking game, which... I, I always felt like, Sage, I'm not sure what the special teams coordinator is supposed to do about Blair Walsh. Like, what, what, is he, what is he supposed to tell him? What is he supposed to do differently? Kickers are such an odd breed. The guy either makes the kick or he doesn't make the kick. And all the coverage units for the Vikings while Prefer was here were among the elites. I mean, even last year, I believe they were fourth or fifth in kick retur- or punt returns uh, yards. The opposing teams were only averaging something like five yards of punt return and they've been very good there and developed a lot of players through special teams who have turned into contributors on the offensive or defensive side like CJ Ham, like uh, Anthony Harris, Stephen Weatherly, guys like that. And to, to lose prefer, uh, I might have been a thing that we just glossed over and didn't really look at at all, but could be something worth watching if they don't have the same ability to cover. Yeah, you know, I mean, blaming Prefer uh, for a kicker being bad is like blaming the head athletic trainer because there are a lot of guys got injured that year. You know, it's like one doesn't have to do with the other. I mean, do you know how many uh, former kickers and punters are NFL special teams coaches? I don't think very many. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and because it's really, again, it's the complexity of that, uh, of those units, the special teams units, you know, it's the coverage, it's the protection, you know, that type of sort of strategy that you have to be a wizard at because, you know, listen, protecting for a good punt block team, uh, with all the twists and things that, that people do, uh, I wasn't, I watched those memes a lot, but obviously I was never really responsible for it, but it was, uh, it was like offensive line play. And then you have to be athletic enough to come down and try to cover and all the things that go along with that. It's not easy to coach that. It's not about whether they can kick, uh, whether they can teach a kicker how to kick. That's really almost like somebody else's job. And a lot of times they have a consultant, uh, Jamie Cole, one of my college kickers, actually does this all over the country. And for some NFL teams, I think he's working with the Bears this year, uh, if, if anything. But, you know, a consultant to somebody who really is a, a professional, like a swing coach for golf. Uh, you know, it really is a profession of how to strike the ball properly, consistently and balance and consistently be good. That is not a special teams coordinator job. Uh, that is more of a specialist job that a lot of times is a consultant from outside the organization. So, uh, you know, letting go of prefer because of bad kickers or whatever. Uh, to me, that that probably should not have been the reason if that was the reason that they let him go. OK, let, let's look at some other things here, Sage, um, in terms of on the bubble. I'm having trouble finding a cut that would be really shocking on this team. Um, even coming into camp, I thought the only player who might have a chance to get cut that would really stun anyone would be the, the two older guys. It would be Everson Griffin or Riley Reef, but they've both stayed healthy. Um, there's nobody else to play left tackle. So Reef is going to be your guy. Everson Griffin has looked great and there's no question that he's going to be on the team every year. It seems there's somebody who surprises us. Brian Robinson last year. I can't find a surprise cut here, Sage. I, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of drama on Saturday with this team. Yeah. You know, with Everson, you know, he is one guy that, uh, you know, that I've looked at the last sort of couple of years and his numbers have gone down a little bit and, you know, he has, uh, a, a pretty hefty salary. That was a name that I thought, you know, if, if they have somebody to step in and replace him, if there was some young guy they picked up maybe in the draft in the lower rounds that just wowed everybody, you know, and uh, but they don't have that. That wasn't uh, a situation. I do think Weatherly is a good, de- you know, a uh, defensive end and, and pass rusher, but, you know, does not have that type of he's not as good as Everson. And I don't think there's enough reason there to, to release Everson. So I don't think that's going to happen. You know, what one we'll see if that uh, uh, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Trent Williams trade ends up happening. <laughs> you know, you, you never know. We got a couple days left. Trent Williams still not signed by uh, Washington. And so, you know, we'll see what happens there. But that would be a nice way to, you know, as you said, you maybe cut Riley Reese, add Trent Williams, who has played in this style of offense. Uh, you know, you know, you know, and maybe Xavier Rhodes and get, you know, that salary just sort of balances itself out. You know, that would be to me, I'd take that. And I like Xavier Rhodes. I think he's still a really good player. Hasn't looked great in the preseason. Didn't look as good last year. Uh, so this team obviously could use some more offensive linemen in particular, that left tackle position, which I think there are fewer and fewer, uh, really franchise left tackles around the NFL. So we will see what those surprises might be, uh, uh, you know, the rest of the year. I got to think. Uh, that again, uh, our guy, um, uh, Kyle Sloter probably, you know, did enough last night and then played well enough that it's going to be hard to release him. And if they do, I would think that he's going to pick up somewhere else. And I always say that fourth preseason game in particular, really all of them that have been particular that fourth preseason game, you are not playing for your football team. You are playing for all 32 football teams. Mm. I mean, you really are. You are playing, uh, 
uh, for your life. And a lot of guys, you know, poured their heart out last night. Slaughter played uh, pretty dang well. And uh, I got to think he grabbed a spot on an NFL team, whether it's the Vikings, we'll have to see. Yeah, I think they like to keep three quarterbacks, so I wouldn't be surprised if Slaughter stays. I like that you said our guy <laughs> uh, because that – has just been really frustrating. And what I heard was it's been frustrating for more than just reporters, but even people in the building with Sloter and some quotes to newspapers and things like that. And, uh, you know, his family tweeting reporters and all that. Sort so of if, stuff. I, if, if I could offer some advice to Kyle, I don't even know him. I think I met him one time uh, in the locker room. And my advice would be this. You know, I lasted for 12 years in the NFL, never got to the starter role. Uh, I was third string for a number of years. Shoot, under Rick Spielman, I was third string all the way, third string all the way going into my fifth year in the NFL, and I was lucky enough back then most teams kept three guys, uh, but I was always sort of in that same position as as, as him. You know, veterans above me, Jay Fiedler, uh, you know, Gus Farrat, Brian Greasy, Ray Lucas, guys that had five, six, seven years of experience in front of me. So, you know, my looking back, I always think. You know, my job was to be sort of be seen and not heard, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. You know, uh, not be content with just being the third string guy. But you have no control over what, you know, Rick Spielman or Mike Zimmer or Kevin Stefanski or any. You can't control what they do. Uh, but, you know, they hate when the third string guy or even the backup guy uh, is trying to, you know, politic his way into moving up the depth chart it just doesn't work that way right um and uh, you have to sort of be seen not heard and let your play do the talking yeah and the fact that sean Mannion didn't play last night i mean it's been clear from tape to tape from start to finish first day of training camp to the final fourth preseason game who the number two quarterback was that sean Mannion was never getting beat for this job and that's why i don't understand why uh, the Sloter family feels the need to tr tweet Courtney Cronin or email Andrew Kramer from the Star Tribune or whatever else to try and get their son more positive pub or whatever. It doesn't matter. We could write the most glowing features of all time and it wouldn't matter to them. I mean, I've found this over the three years that what we write uh, or the three years that I've been covering the team, what we write and what we say, they don't base their decisions on that. They base it on all the people they that they don't. pay for that. I You're know, telling that, me that, Zim and, and Zim, they're not listening Zim. to our show. Hey, there were a couple times. I mean, hey, a couple times last year they should have been. I'm just saying with the offensive you, coordinator. But you know, we we had that thing pretty early. But pretty early. Uh, but but the point just being that you know, if you're Sloter, you got to tell Daddy to cut it out. I mean, you just like yeah. It, I mean, it's not going to help you at all. It's only going to hurt you. And if a newspaper reporter comes up to you as Kyle Sloter and says, hey, do you think you should be number two? Don't say yes. I mean, like, don't don't say that it's a, a narrative that you're the, the third string quarterback or that you're not good in practice when your head coach said it. I mean, geez, you look like a fool. And, and even though he's played well, uh, the, these things have just been mishandled by him. And I wonder if that hurts his case, because you, like you said, if, if you're the team, you're like, yeah, I don't want a number three quarterback who's going to the media saying that they uh, are actually great in practice and everybody's got it wrong. Like, you don't need any noise from that guy. So um, the, the fact that it was never a competition, Sean Mannion was number two from the moment he got here, essentially, but especially the, the very beginning of training camp. 
I think Mannion could be a valuable resource for them because of how smart he is and how well he understands offenses and the fact that he played for Sean McVay, and clearly they think so too. So uh, I, I would probably keep Kyle Sloter because of how well he's played in the games and maybe there's remaining potential there. But if the team decided, hey, you know what? Jake Browning didn't say a peep this year, so we're just going to keep him and put him on the practice squad, I wouldn't blame him. You know, when this is something that maybe Kyle and his family could probably learn from the two guys ahead of him. And, you know, Kirk Cousins started his career fourth-round draft pick. Uh, RG3 was the guy, second pick of the draft. The, the Washington, you know, had a couple first-rounders they traded to move up uh, or whatever. So, you know, I, my guess is he played pretty dang well during training camp and preseason. And, you know, I remember back then, uh, even when, when, you know, Kirk was playing so well and, and RG3 was hurt and, People would ask him, you know, basically, like, should you be the starter? And and he was very much like, you know, I, I'm just uh, going to do my best and let the coaches, you know, pick whoever they want to pick. And I'm supporting RG3. We get along really well. But he sort of played that, uh, you know, good teammate role. And, you know, Sean Mannion obviously uh, has learned that very quickly as well. You know, what is your spot on this team? And, and you know, sometimes I, I occasionally get asked to give a speech uh, around the Midwest. And I give this Nick Saban story about, you know, everyone sort of has a seat on the bus, right? You know, that that bus leaves from Winter Park and heads to the airplane to fly somewhere to play a game. Where is your seat on the bus, per se, uh, metaphorically? You know, the head coaches in the front, the starting quarterbacks in the front, you have guys in the middle, you have guys in the back. Uh, and all you can really do is do the best job you can wherever you're sitting, and you really have to let, the you know, the head coach, the driver of the bus, decide where everybody sits. And mm-hmm. you don't get to decide whether you get to sit up in front of the uh, the wheel tired you know thing or whatever yet you you met to sit in the back and just enjoy that single seat in the back you know you're right by the exit which sucks but you're still on the bus <laughs> which is a heck of a place to be and you ask anybody I'm I'm you know I'm asking you would you like to be on the bus heck yeah give me that third you know give me that uh, that that last seat in the bus every single time it's a great place to be so you know I I think that listen he wants to move up I understand that. He wants to be a backup. He wants to be a starter. Their starters making thirty million dollars. There's a process here, and all you can really control is your actions. Uh, your, your verbal, uh, uh, you know, marketing of yourself is really just going to get you off the bus. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point. Uh, that's a really good way to put it. So let's um, talk. By about, the way, last thing I want to say, great, yeah. I think it was a smart move to not play Sean Mannion last night. By the way, it just sort of eliminated the whole conversation. Uh, from you know, if he would if he wouldn't have played well last night or whatever, uh, you know, plus he gives Browning more reps, which I think he you know I think definitely earned to be able to go out there and throw 13 balls last night. So uh, I, I think it was a smart move by the Vikings to not play Sean Mann last night and just let Slaughter and Browning have it. Yeah, and I do wonder if they're going to keep Jake Browning around on the practice squad because uh, the way Rick Spielman talked about him on the broadcast was uh, actually surprising to me. I was kind of taken aback because Browning came in the game and he was on the broadcast, and so they said, well, what do you think of Jake Browning? And he kind of went on and on about all the things that the scouting staff liked about him and everything else, and that makes me wonder if, uh, since they especially paid him quite a big chunk of change, if they would keep him around. And I thought during training, camp I mean this is not a guy with a laser beam arm or anything else but I thought during training camp that he had some pretty good moments and it might be worth keeping him around as as a practice squad quarterback so we'll see on that one 
Um, yeah, you know, he he uh, I from what I've seen, whether it's practice, uh, you know, the, uh, the, this uh, training camp, whether it was the, the action he got in these preseason games, uh, whether it was the fact I brought my family to the Rose Bowl last year and saw him play in the Rose Bowl. So I do give uh, some value to, to quarterbacks who have played in big time programs uh, and won a lot of games. Uh, and play in big moments. And, you know, so if somehow he was on the practice squad and, you know, Kirk Cousins gets hurt and he gets moved up to number two guy, uh, because Sean Mayne is going to start and they decide to, to not have Sloder on the team, uh, I can see that being a positive. I'm sure he'll be great in the, the, uh, the locker room. He'll be great in the, uh, the meeting room. Uh, and again, I, I sort of, Ryan's a little bit like a Jason Garrett, uh, or, uh, you know, the kid out in San Francisco, Mullins, who played so well mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. You know, smaller guy, six foot. Uh, good feet, not a big arm at all, uh, but good anticipation, and uh, you know, I'm sure a great teammate. Uh, you know, backing up Jimmy Garoppolo, who's making you know 40 times what he's making. So, uh, you know, he might be a, a guy like that that they've seen more than we've seen, and, and he could be a practice squad guy. I don't see them having three quarterbacks and a practice squad guy. Yeah, that I would don't be see that. Yeah, I would think one of those last two guys would be sort of their development guy. Um, and, uh, so, you know, but if Slaughter does get released, I imagine he'll get picked up somewhere else. But my guess is they'll keep Slaughter and probably have to get rid of Browning, uh, but would be very, very happy to bring Browning back if, you know, Kirk Cousins got this year. That's just my beat or my best bet, uh, I should say, on the quarterback position. All right. Let's look at a couple of other things, uh, Sage. Uh, the Amir Abdullah, Mike Boone situation. Uh, if you're Mike Boone and you get cut, you can go home and say, I did absolutely everything that I ever could have done to make this team. Um, Mike Zimmer said that he was good on special teams in the third preseason game. Um, I would be hard-pressed to be able to tell you off the TV broadcast or being there in the press box if he actually was good in special teams, but Zimmer's a pretty straightforward guy. Uh, But running the football, he's just been fantastic, and he has an exceptional athletic skill. I mean, when the guy puts his foot in the ground, so to speak, and and makes a cut and goes upfield, he's got great bursts to him, and he's somebody that they really liked his athletic ability last year. But I thought last year he couldn't find a hole if uh, he stepped in one. But like this this year, he has looked like a completely different runner. Like he's felt more instinctual and quicker to find where the holes are and everything. So I've liked what I've seen from Mike Boone a lot, and I don't even think it's too far to say that um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to use him every once in a while in real games uh, to give Delvin Cook a break. That um, you know we don't know if Alexander Madison is going to be good when it comes to the real games. So keeping Mike Boone around, I think, is a really good idea. Yeah, so there's always this conversation of, you know, there's certain positions, whether it's D-line, O-line, you know, DBs, uh, you know, and running back of, you know, how many should we keep? Is it three? Is it four? You know, receivers, they keep five, and sometimes teams will keep six, and sometimes, you know, teams will keep five but only dress four for a game. And there's there's, there's this numbers thing that goes on, and, and a lot of times it's the third running back position. Most teams keep three running backs. Uh, they end up putting one on the practice squad. Uh, I thought Boone played pretty well last year as well in the preseason i, I liked him uh and he, he, he's done a great job you know so far this year he did a great job so far this year in the, the, the preseason as well so i i've always thought he has a little bit more value to me over abdullah yep. um but you know that that's just again that's just me because the our you know the um the the star dalvin cook he does have an injury history and we do need to have a guy who possibly could be sort of a, you know, carry the load 
even if it's just 15 carries, maybe it's 20 carries. I don't see Amir being a 20 to 25 carry guy. I see Mike Boone as a guy who could, if needed to, carry that rock 25 times and, you know, sort of a black and blue type of game. Uh, you know, and, and I just don't see Amir doing that. So I'm, you know, based off the fact that the starter gets hurt, hurt a lot, looking for more of a, I guess, a pure tailback uh, to be that third guy. Uh, it does help that he's been on these special teams. Uh, I think I believe I saw him do a kickoff return uh, one time. Uh, you know, if they keep BC Johnson, who I really like, because I'm sure they'll keep. Yes, uh, I see him as a punt. Him. I can see him as a punt return guy. You know, so they, you know, you have to have certain guys are kick. I mean, some some kickoff return guys don't catch punts very well. Catching a punt's a whole skill in itself, and there's some guys who really really struggle with that. So maybe Boone's not great with with punt returns. Uh, but, you know, someone like B.C. Johnson can do that. So uh, I like Mike Boone winning this battle. And, and for me, you think, you know, the old guy, Sage, goes go with the vet, uh, the veteran who's got a lot of experience and those type of things. But I think just in situation, I've been really impressed by Mike Boone week in and week out, carry in and carry out. Uh, and I think he's done a really, really nice job this preseason and last preseason. I feel the same way. And not that this would be a determining factor necessarily, but I guess you could just add it. Um, the fact that he gets along really well with Delvin Cook, like they're boys. I mean, they, they uh, have a really good room there with the running back room. And I'm not saying Amir Abdullah doesn't, but I just know that those two um, seem to get along really well. So if you're going to keep one guy over the other, the guy that is good in the room and everybody likes and has some potential, I think would be the one that I would lean toward. But I wouldn't even be terribly shocked if they went with five running backs and kept Abdullah as just a specialist. Like you said, returning punts is no easy thing. I'm not sure Chad Beebe is actually good at it in at the NFL level, and we know that Amir Abdullah has a history doing that sort of thing. So that um, I, might be the way I they was go. Gonna say, I, I think that, you know, as fans, as media people, as people on the outside of that building over there at Egan, you know, there's so many things that we talk about of who's going to make this final 53 roster, who should be on the practice squad and signing people from other teams. There's all of this, uh, which is to me like sort of very surfacey in a way, right? Uh, inside that building, uh, the chemistry and relationships of, uh, you know, players to players, players to coaches, players to general managers and, and you know, that whole world has huge value. Uh, and that's one thing that we just don't see very much of. We see a little bit. We hear a little bit, like what you said. You hear he's got a good relationship, you know, with Dalvin Cook, but we don't actually know. And some, as we all know, uh, some people are very likable, and some people aren't. And that's one thing that you know, when you're looking, you talk about team chemistry and a team that wants to make a run. You don't have to have everybody love each other, but you know, if you're a, a you know 40 through 53 guy, a practice squad guy, you better be pretty dang likable. Uh, if you're going to make that football team, if there's two, you know, players that are equal talent, equal production, whatever, who's the guy that we really like more? Who we know at the, you know, when the uh, when the crap hits the fan in the fourth quarter is going to, you know, have enough guts to, you know, stand up and say, you know, I made that mistake and I'm not going to make that again, or you know, just, just that type of thing on a football team is really, really valuable. We don't know all that that much as outsiders, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but you know, the, the other players, the coaches. Sometimes the general managers, they do know that stuff, and they know uh, they, they better than anybody knows who wants to be in that 53-man roster. I, I have to give you um, a quote from an actual NFL player who's played in real NFL games and was a first-round draft pick about his status. Laquan Treadwell said, 
It's like the Lion King. I've got no worries. Hakuna Matata. That's a real NFL player who said that after last night's game to the Star Tribune. Um, what do we make of the fact that Laquan Treadwell was playing in the fourth preseason game a pretty significant amount of time? I don't I don't think there's any real showcasing to this guy um, that Mike Zimmer had mentioned. But I also am not 100% certain that they're going to cut him, Sage. I mean, when you look at the other receivers, other than B.C. Johnson, nobody stepped up, nobody made big plays, Brandon Zilstra didn't rise to the challenge, nobody had a big game at any point aside from B.C. Johnson. So maybe Treadwell has no worries for good reason. Well, I think you have to go off of, in some ways, who did not play in that game last night uh, or just played maybe one series and they were out, right? So... You know, that's what uh, that's the best way to sort of decide who's going to make this roster and who's not in some ways at, at that receiver position is who did not play and how many guys did play and for how long, because they're going to take out the guys who are going to make the team sooner rather than later. And from what I recall in that game last night, uh, number 11 was playing a fair amount yes. of that yeah. football game and, and did some good things, man, made some good catches, ran a good what they call X read route, one of the first plays of the game. Uh, made a nice route and catch, uh, did a nice job. I think it was a shallow cross or, or something got you know caught and uh, it caught the ball and got hit and then broke the tackle, got a first down, did a nice job last night. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think him saying he has no worries uh, might be him trying to, you know, I don't know, soften the blow on his own ego or something because he could very well not make this football team um, in either way. Uh, you know, he was a first round draft pick and this team has missed on him. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, you know, blatantly obviously at this point, whether it was the old system, the previous system, this system, uh, nobody views him as a top notch wide receiver, which is a shame. Uh, and it's been strange with wide receivers drafting the first rounds in pre in, 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 in recent years. Uh, there is this sort of a trend that they were doing really well. First round draft picks. It was a position you could learn right away, come in be productive and, and, and play well. Uh, but it does seem like lately there's been a lot of misses in the first round. Laquad Treadwell, whether he makes his team or not, uh, was a miss by this coaching staff uh, and by this organization. Yeah, there's no question about his bust status. I, the only question for me would be, uh, is it worth it to just cut him or do you leave him there because nobody else came and took his job? Or do you have your eye on somebody else who's going to get cut by another team who you want to bring in? So you cut him and you only keep four wide receivers on the initial 53, but then two days later you bring in somebody else. I could definitely see that happening too. We all make a big deal about Saturday and Saturday afternoon and oh, it's cut down day. This is the roster. And then every year that I've covered the league it changes two days later that they bring in somebody else they sign someone else um the famous one to me was Bucky Hodges who everyone could not stand but he made the roster and then one day later was cut and they brought in Blake Bell instead um at least that's fam we, I, famous among reporters for, for <laughs> me uh famous for me was when I was in Miami Matt Turk was our punter uh you know, Nick Turk. Saban Matt Turk right how long did that uh, guy play was he like 48 when he he Finish played for a long time and he uh he didn't wear shoulder pads he wore <laughs> i think they were like lacrosse pads or something yeah, this is even he, uh, an even funnier point about the carly, oh, yeah. carly he, lloyd debate you're talking about a guy who yes. doesn't wear pads exactly but he was like 250 i mean he was a huge strong guy and had a huge like but he got cut uh 2005 i was with him in miami had punted the previous couple years uh and 
and he got cut on the Friday, the Friday before the first preseason, mm. before before the first regular season game. I mean, he punted all week in practice, um, and um, uh, and and they, they had Donnie Jones, who also played forever, uh, was the other punter, and he was a young guy. I think he'd been a roster maybe the year before, maybe not been a training camp guy before, but had had played for Nick Saban at LSU. Um, and so, you know, Donnie's during training camp, they released Donnie, uh, you know, like today, uh, and or tomorrow, one of these days they released Donnie Turk had like a, you know, over a million dollar, million and a half dollar salary, whatever it was. And on Friday, uh, I don't even know if they didn't even ask him to take a pay cut. They just flat out released him and signed Donnie on Friday, hmm. um, or whatever. So weird things happen. And, uh, you know, there will, there will be some weird things going on during the week. And there's it's like coaching. There's a coaching carousel. There's just sometimes a player carousel. And there's going to be some surprise cuts out there. You know, Gary Kubiak was at other places before this and and other coaches were, too. And they might have uh, you know players they really like as the fifth string uh, as, a, as a sort of fifth string receiver, fourth guy that maybe is great on special teams. I mean, that's the whole thing with these coaches moving around is. They know these players from these other teams, and then there's these surprise cuts, and you go, hey, I'd rather have that guy on this football team. Maybe not a better receiver than Laquan Treadwell, but maybe he's a better special teams player, something like that, and could add more value to the team because he's a fifth-string receiver, a four-string receiver. You better be adding value in other spots other than just wide receiver. Let me say this. Journeyman punters are as great almost as journeyman quarterbacks. Almost. The reason they're oh, not yeah, is well, because journeyman quarterbacks sometimes like win the Super Bowl, but... Matt Turk, after he got released the year you're talking about, he was 36 years old. You would have thought, oh, that's the end of him. And he played for six more years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, Matt Turk, one interesting story about Matt Turk is we had a preseason game uh, in New Orleans. Now, this is Miami to New Orleans. I don't know what that drive is, but it's not easy. I feel like it was like it's like 18 hours or something like that uh, or, or 13 hours. I can't remember. It's, it's a long ways. Well, we had a hurricane coming just like one's coming up now. We had a hurricane coming. Uh, back in 2005, and Matt Turk had, I don't know, he had like four or five kids. He had this huge family, and they had this huge van. It was like a travel van. It was incredible. And they, rather than flying with the team uh, on Wednesday or whatever for this Thursday night preseason game, he put his whole family in this van, and they <laughs> drove to New Orleans. It uh, drove all the noise, punted the game, and then they drove back. We, meanwhile, could not fly back into Miami. We Flying to Tampa, get on buses uh, because the Miami and Fort Lauderdale airports were all closed. Get on buses and drove four, three and a half, four hours in the middle of a hurricane back to Miami. I'm telling you, what uh, uh, you know, just to play these stupid preseason games, pretty dang incredible. Matt Turk, that you know, that him driving that that van, what a great story. Matt Turk from Wisconsin Whitewater, a long yep. NFL career. That's awesome. Uh, okay, so before we wrap here. Um, what else is in Sage's notebook about either last night or what's going to happen on this roster? I mean, is is there anything else that uh, we have not at some point touched on that would be in any way, shape, or form unique? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's been a long off season. You it know, has. My gosh. Not make, yeah, right. So, uh, you know, which I'm happy I don't do a ton of radio stuff in the late spring and summertime. You know, I like going work into the draft, but then – you, know, you guys have to go off summer and speculate, and and I like watching the I like watching the game footage and and, and those types of things, uh, and really talking about what happened, what they should do, what they could do, uh, but really based off of what I see, 
when these games start. So believe me, me more than anybody, looking forward to uh, watching some NFL football this week, uh, watching uh, you know the Vikings play next weekend, uh, and having some real stuff to break down. And, and we'll see how this season goes. You know, 14 wins a couple years ago, 8-7-1 last year. Uh, pretty much, uh, you know, changed the quarterback. And I guess the coordinator were two of the big differences on that team. Uh, we've got the same quarterback. We've got a new coordinator. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if this team can improve on 8-7-1 and one because uh, I we haven't gotten to the conversation really about what would happen if the Vikings, you know, don't play well this year. They win seven games. They win eight games. They win six games. They don't go to the playoffs. Uh, you know, that would probably you know, throw a lot of speculative questions out there. Uh, and there may be some, you know, changes after the season. I have no idea what you know, Kirk Cousins, $28 million into the next couple of years. If he doesn't play well this year, I don't know what they could do with him. Uh, so I'm hoping that he plays well, and I'm hoping that they run a very efficient offense that whether they're first in the league in points or last in the league in points, that they win enough football games to get in the playoffs and try to make a run at this first Super Bowl. Yeah, and I'm excited for this season. Sage, you and I will spend a lot of time breaking it all down. And uh, you know what? Next week we can do podcasts with A, analysis of uh, another team and how the Vikings match up against that other team, and B, a journeyman quarterback of the week. It will re- oh, yeah. it will return. And uh, the Atlanta Falcons, they've got some gems. So I'm well, excited for that. you know, Every NFL team has some gems. Yes. And, uh, you know, just by the way, last thing, speaking of the Miami Falcons, I mean, since we started talking about special teams and kickers and punters on this on this show, I think we should end it. Uh, Matt Bryant, I believe, just got signed again. 44 talk years about, old. Talk about another guy kicking into his mid-40s. I don't know why they released him in the first place. He was always, I mean, he may have just, like, stripped retired. Uh, but, you know, maybe that's a guy that the Vikings should have chased this offseason, I thought he's been a very, very consistent kicker. He's kicked great in domes uh, over the course of his career and uh, just loved in, uh, in Atlanta. So it uh, looks like he signed back and will probably have a four, another year on, on a roster. And uh, we'll see how the Vikings do. We'll see how the special teams do this year, Who you know how these last roster spots go. And, and we're off and running on Monday. All right. Uh, here on the Purple Podcast feed, uh, Purple Daily feed, sorry. Um, and over the air, we sent out a what they call Comrex machine so we can have the clearest and cleanest Sage Rosenfels quality over the air throughout the season. We're very excited um, and looking forward to it. So Sage, we'll get together again very, very soon. And uh, we'll talk to you all later here on Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.